Anno Amagium, Episode 6, Making a Splash Eleanor Valmont, Sol Day, Libra 8th, 2344 AA, 907 PM, Arroyo Athenaeum, Girls' Dorm, U. Is she crying? Oh, good God! Lynn rolled her eyes and turned her body to face the wall. She didn't want her roommate to find her glaring at her with disgust. Really? Are we seriously sobbing now? How are you not happy? We got in. We are aspirants. We can study magic. It's not like your parents can press-gang you into joining the Athenaeum. I thought you said you wanted to be a Leximancer. Do you think they let you cry in court? It was supposed to be one of those inescapably boring and meaningless meetings. Their families ran into each other as they were moving into their shared dorm room, inevitably complicated by the fact that, Oh, look, it's your father. From the news, and the papers, and the magazines. Pansy Hayes' parents played it cooler than most. They weren't obsequious or hostile or flustered. Lynn guessed them to be politically liberal mildly religious and imagiate moderates. Her first impression of Pensy, after assessments had ended, was one of pity. She was scared, even after she discovered she'd made the cut. Then again they paired her with Steinbeck, and nobody wants to be stuck with that mean old bastard. Once they met face to face, speaking voice, gesture, and emanation, the girl was still extremely nervous, but Lynn saw that she was beautiful as well. A very cynical part of Lynn wondered if the faculty paired them because they would be photogenic together. Ultimately, she decided it unlikely, though. She overwhelms me. She looks like the kind of girl that makes people smell flowers when she smiles. Her assessment of Pensy Hayes hardly improved as they attended orientation together. The girl was squeaky, smiley, and still so damn nervous. Occasionally, she would flit over to Lynn with some inane question or bit of nonsense, only to seem sad, or possibly afraid, when Lynn didn't reciprocate like some sort of cartoon chipmunk. And now she's here, with me, crying. Behind her, Pensy got up and opened the door to the hallway, still sniffling. Lynn could hear her muffled, nasal-impacted voice asking a proctor for directions to the bathroom. She knit her brows shut. It's going to be a long eleven years. Lunday, Libra 9th, 6 a.m., Arroyo. Boys and girls gathered outside their respective dorms for a half-mile run around the school's track, followed by a mix of calisthenic exercises and pilates. Breakfast followed their workout in the central dining complex, a cavernous, multi-story building filled with a number of SimVision screens turned to various news networks and morning shows. While Lynn was getting cereal, she felt a hand grab her hair bun. She wheeled around, ready for murder, only to see her older brother smirking at her as he walked away. She smiled at Athrin, then stuck her tongue out. I would seriously kill anybody else for that. I wish we could sit together. But Lynn had heard that it was impertinent for junior aspirants, those who had yet to pass their discipline declaration, to sit with senior aspirants. Instead, Lynn made her way to the back of the second-floor dining room, 
where she noticed a number of other newly minted aspirants were sitting. There was an inviting, empty stretch of a long table, and Lynn started to approach it. Hey, quiet girl, a voice called. Quiet girl, come sit with us. Lynn paid no attention until the girl repeated herself. It was the chatty, green-haired, golden-eyed half-fay from assessments. Quiet girl? That's my name now? Just because I shushed her? Lynn approached cautiously, unsure if this was some kind of challenge or joke at her expense. There were three others seated next to her already, wearing smiles that might be pleasant or predatory. Two Hispanic girls who looked like they might be twins and a black girl wearing glasses. Lynn remembered the sisters had been called into Hemingway's mentor group. Aspiring keepers, then. She approached the table somewhat cautiously. My name's Lynn, she said, taking a seat on the bench. You are? Cyphera, the girl said, smiling. This is Asana, that's Milana, and that's Sinise, she said, pointing at the other girls in sequence, who nodded, gestured greetings, or waved. Nice to meet you, Lynn said, though even to her it sounded like a question. Did you want something from me? Cyphera looked vaguely confused and shook her head. You're a keeper aspirant too, right? I just figured we could... Oh, hello. Something behind Lynn snagged Cyphera's attention. Lynn turned to find Pensy standing there, timid and hopeful. Was she shadowing me? Is it all right if I join you? Pensy asked. Yeah, more the merrier, Cyphera said. I'm Pensy, Lynn's roommate, she said, smiling. Ah, Sinise is my roommate, Cyphera said, then jerked a thumb at the other girls. And these two are together as well. Milana rolled her eyes. I can't believe they did us like that, just because we're twins. I want to meet new people. We're meeting new people right now, Asana said, dry. Besides... I'm the one who should be complaining. I have to put up with your snoring for another eleven years. Milana wadded up her napkin and shot it at Asana with sorcery. The other girls laughed. Lynn didn't see how it was particularly funny, but she tried to smile like she was in on the joke. What are you declaring, Penzi? Sinise asked. Oh, um, I want to be a Leximancer, Penzi said. Really? Same, Sinise said smiling brightly. Nice, Cyphera said. Looks like we're the law and order table then. A tone sounded, and all the monitors suddenly switched from their various news networks to show a fatherly, bespectacled Amagia who introduced himself as Headmaster Faulkner. At orientation, they had informed aspirants that breakfast would double as a morning assembly, and after announcements were over, Students were free to talk amongst themselves or leave for their classes. The announcements were mostly self-evident, the sort of common-sense stuff that schools always covered on first days. Is it true that you're Athenon Valmont's daughter? Sinise whispered, even though Faulkner was still giving his welcome speech. Lynn nearly shushed her, but caught herself. I don't want to be stuck with quiet girl. Yes, I am, Lynn said. No shit! Cyphera exclaimed. Lynn smiled weakly. The conversation was a waking nightmare that would haunt her for the rest of her life.
What's it like? What's your dad like? Have you also met this other person since they are also famous? Is it true that... And so on until Lynn wanted to cave her own head in. She had found that it was best to be humble, lest people assume she was stuck up from the start and avoid long answers. The truth was never that exciting, and even though people always seemed disappointed by what she had to say, the more she spoke, the more stupid questions they would ask. Fortunately, the girls waited for Faulkner to finish his speech before the girls started bombarding her with inquiries. Lynn answered most of them automatically, providing practiced responses between bites of food. As soon as she finished eating, she moved to excuse herself. I'm sorry. I'd like to review some material before class. Cyphera looked confused again and chuckled. We don't even have an assignment yet. I know, but I like to read ahead. See what we'll be covering before we cover it, Lynn said as she rose from the table with her tray. Suit yourself, quiet girl, Cyphera said casually. Lynn froze. What the hell is your problem, she thought. I'm not quiet, Lynn said. I just don't like talking when there's no point. The air at the table changed. Everyone's weird withdrew slightly, as if Lynn had slapped Cyphera. She couldn't understand anyone's expression, except for Pensy, who was very clearly nervous or scared. Lynn bobbed her head slightly and excused herself to drop off her tray. The first academic class of their matriculation was geometry. Lynn found math to be hopelessly dry. Algebra came to her easily enough, and she had studied some trigonometry in preparation for the assessment exams, determined to pass them on her first try. English literature followed, which Lynn found slightly more engaging than math, though most of the rules of composition struck her as common sense. She looked forward to declaring her discipline at fifteen, at which point magical studies would completely supplant academic subjects. Just before lunch, they had another brief bout of physical training. An eight-year aspirant, Serena Schweizer, showed them the most fundamental forms of erudensis, the Imagium's signature fighting style, which was a mix of martial arts and quick bursts of sorcery. A weird was an incredibly flexible resource, allowing combatants to buffer incoming hits, enhance their muscular strength, or launch invisible blows that an opponent could only sense and defend with sorcery of their own. To Lynn's surprise, the combat lecture was far duller than math and lit. Her father and brother had shown her several techniques that were well beyond the proctor's introductory lesson, but after half an hour, Schweizer told the girls to partner up and start practicing what they learned. Take it slow and easy, okay? Schweizer said. We're just getting used to the movements and the principles. A serious-looking blonde girl approached Lynn immediately. Miss Valmont, will you partner with me? The blonde girl also knew what she was doing, moving with a degree of ease and surety that spoke of prior experience. She had drawn Lynn's eye while they practiced Schweitzer's example. Good. I think we can get some real practice in. Uh, I'd be honored. But please, call me Lynn, she said, extending her hand. Kimis Knight, the girl said, taking her hand. Her expression was respectful, but all business. They stepped opposite of each other, bowed, and fell into a quick exchange of blows. Both of them knew how to moderate their strength, 
and Lynn was pleased to find herself breathing heavily after only a couple minutes' practice. Uh. Lynn turned to find Pensy squared off against an extremely tall, athletic girl, six feet even, if nothing. She was one of the girls who had been drafted into Hawthorne's keeping group. Lynn thought she had heard somebody call her Vitha, and she was showing no mercy. Pensy managed to defend her head with her hands and buffered the blows coming into her chest with her weird, but the blows were still landing, and to Lynn's eye, they were coming in hard enough to leave bruises. Vitha fought like a boxer with solid but unrefined technique. All she had was overwhelming offense, no idea how to use her weird beyond making her muscles hit harder, and her guard was virtually non-existent. Do not suffer bullies in your cohort. Carol had warned Lynn in one of their early A-mail correspondences. Bullies seize authority without contributing anything to those who follow them and crush the esteem of those they deem unworthy. Unfortunately, the Athenaeum often mistakes such mean-spirited hazing for productive rivalry, a way to weed the weak from the herd. If you want to be as sharp as you can, you must keep your friends and rivals sharp as well. Pensy coughed as the girl landed a nasty kidney shot. Lynn winced, but before she could look away, she felt a swell of anger and desperation from her roommate's weird. Pensy cried out, shoved her palm forward, and launched a wild telekinetic blow that struck Vitha directly in the nose. It was a solid hit, too, strong enough to stagger the taller girl backwards. Lynn found herself grinning. Now that was magical. Pensy drew her hands to her mouth, horrified, and approached to apologize. I'm so sorry. Are you all... Vitha backhanded Pensy savagely as she approached, knocking her to the ground in a spin. A nasal gagging noise escaped her throat before she hawked a bloody glob of saliva on the grass. Okay, I've seen enough. Lynn gestured to her partner to pause for a moment, and Kimis nodded. Vitha, right? Lynn asked, approaching the taller girl. Vitha looked at Lynn skeptically and asked, Is there a problem? No, I'd say you're a nuisance at best, Lynn said mildly. Vitha's eyebrows jumped. Excuse me? I'll excuse you. As soon as you apologize. She sucker-punched me, Vitha said, scoffing. I just got her back. Lynn snickered and folded her arms. You were beating her stupid, and she landed an honest hit. I could have driven a truck through the gap in your guard. When she tried to extend you a courtesy, you exploited it. Vitha looked over to see if their proctor was watching, but she was at the other end of the field, coaching two girls on how to throw proper punches. Lynn raised an eyebrow at Vitha. Teacher isn't watching hot stuff. You going to step up or not? Vitha drew her head back, sneering, and gestured for Lynn to put up her guard. Exquisite. The two girls squared off. Her form was decent, but again, she had almost no erdic control. And I got under her skin, which means she'll be impulsive. All I need to do is wait for her attack. But after nearly a full five seconds of posturing, Lynn got bored and swatted Vitha in the ear with sorcery. 
The literal slap in the face was enough to goad the big girl into action. She rushed forward, telegraphing a thuggish sorcery-assisted punch. Lynn easily dodged and torqued Vita's body off balance with sorcery. It was a perfect opening for a follow-up attack, and Lynn pointedly ignored it. Vita turned, launched a sloppy feint with her weird, followed by a reckless stream of punches, like the ones she had initially battered Penzi with. Lynn deflected each blow with her weird or her hands, stepping back steadily until Vitha tired herself out. Then, Lynn reached out with her hand and slapped her full in the face, harder this time. Vitha growled, emitting an impressive but impractical telekinetic shockwave to drive Lynn back. Again, Lynn answered the force with a swell of energy from her weird and stepped to the side. Now that the difference in their skills were evident, Vitha was getting more cautious. But she's pissed enough that if she lands a hit with her weird, it will really hurt, just like the shot Penzi scored. Their fight had also drawn a crowd of onlookers, which was sure to attract the proctor. I need to end this quickly. The next time Vitha took a step forward, Lynn coiled her weird around Vitha's supporting ankle and yanked it backwards with all her power. As the girl pitched forward, eyes wide with panic, Lynn considered kicking her in the jaw, but decided that would be a bit much for the first day. Instead, Lynn let Vitha fall on her chest and planted her shoe on the girl's head before she could get up. Lynn slowly but steadily applied weight to Vitha's jaw as she spoke. When somebody scores an honest hit, you either take it in stride or yield until you can cool off, Lynn said as if admonishing a small child. Pansy thought she broke your nose. Abuse her kindness again, and I'll show you what a real sucker punch looks like. Do you understand? Vitha, who had been winded by the fall, slapped the grass twice in surrender. Lynn immediately released her foot, but kept her guard up. When Vitha sat up to catch her breath, Lynn extended a hand, but was still prepared for some sort of reprisal. Vitha was red in the face and still breathing heavily, but she accepted Lynn's help. What's going on over here? The proctor asked, finally having noticed the disruption in the training ranks. I'm sorry, Miss Schweizer, Lynn said, bowing to the upperclassmen. Things got a little heated, and I lost control. The proctor raised an eyebrow and then looked to Vitha for confirmation. It was my fault. I didn't keep my guard up, Vitha said. Funny. Looked to me like she had her foot on your head, Schweizer said, gesturing to Lynn. Lynn felt herself flush ever so slightly, but tried to maintain a neutral expression. She definitely smells the rat. Not much I can say to talk my way out of it, though. Again, Schweizer studied the crowd of onlookers and her eyes lingered on Penzi, whose cheek was still red and smarting from Vitha's backhand. Finally, she sighed and waved them off. All right, accidents happen, I guess. But please try not to kill each other on the first day. Lunday, Libra 9th, 9.02 p.m., Arroyo. I'm sorry, Penzi whispered. Lynn turned to face her roommate. Pansy lay on her back in the bunk on the opposite side of the room. The dorm proctor called lights out a few minutes ago. At least she isn't crying yet. 
What for? Lynn asked. Lots of things, really, but I meant about last night. Oof, now I feel like a bitch. It's fine, Lynn said, for lack of any other option. Uh, why were you crying? It's dumb. I just missed my mom and dad. This is my first time away from my parents, and I won't see them again until the end of Scorpio. Pensy turned to face Lynn. Her eyes were red again. Ah, shit. I can't even remotely relate. This is bliss. I'm not under my mother's thumb, and every second here is a second spiting her. And Dad, well, he's home rare enough that it's a commodity. But even then, it's only really enjoyable when it isn't for the papers or business. Ugh, I should probably just change the subject. How did you know I was awake? Lynn asked. Just a guess. You tossed and turned a lot, but you always had your back to me. Sorry, Lynn said. I just... I didn't know what to say. And I didn't want to... interrupt, I guess. Pensy shook her head. I'm grateful. Really, Pensy said. Especially about last night. But I was wondering, why did you stick your neck out for me today? During sparring? Vitha probably hates you now, and other girls might come after you as well. If she wants to carry a grudge, that's on her, Lynn huffed. And if other girls come for me, better sooner than later. What do you mean? Penzi asked. Bullies are human cancers, Lynn said. If somebody doesn't put them in place straight away, they only get worse. They inspire otherwise decent people to act the same. And on a personal level, I can't stand people who prey on weakness to feel better about themselves. Pensy chuckled. <laughs> I guess I am pretty weak. Lynn winced and gestured an apology. Being weak isn't a bad thing. By itself, at least. Pensy tilted her head to the side and emanated curiosity at Lynn. My father always says there are two ways to look at weakness. Justification and motivation, Lynn started. If you use your weakness as an excuse to not apply yourself, you'll stay weak or get even weaker. But if you use the frustration of being weak as fuel, make it a reason to become strong, you don't stay weak for very long. Pensy sat up in bed, peering at Lynn. So what do you use as motivation? I mean, you're already strong. Lynn barked a laugh, and Pensy puffed her cheeks in annoyance, then insisted. You are! People are already talking about this afternoon, not just our cohort. I heard two third-year aspirants talking about this girl prodigy who took out a girl two feet taller than her. Lynn bristled. I am five foot one, she protested. Pensy giggled, which made her even madder. It's not funny. I'm not that short. I'm taller than you. Pensy cocked her head to the side, trying not to laugh more. I really hope you know that's not what I was trying to say. Lynn assured Pensy they were on the same page, even though she had misunderstood, apparently. Pensy continued. That kind of proves my point. You're so strong, people are already screwing up the details. Your legend is larger than life. Lynn emanated gratitude at Pensy with a faint smile.
I do like having that kind of reputation. But it comes with a cost. Everybody actually hates you. And I've just... decided to lean into it. Because I don't really have a choice. I'm already Athanon Valmont's daughter. I'm automatically this cold, stuck-up bitch. So, when there's a fight that somebody should pick, I'm happy to volunteer. Lynn nearly told Pensy to give up and go to bed, but rolled on her back and continued with the first thing that popped into her head. It's like there are these rules that everybody else understands automatically. I hate the game, and I have no idea how to play it. Whenever I try, people assume I'm being sarcastic or whatever. There was a long pause. Then Pensy asked, So? What are you doing to turn that weakness into strength? The question was like a needle in Lynn's neck. She had never thought of it that way before. In her head, other people were something that happened to you. After all, how the hell can you train yourself to become more social if nobody is willing to give you a chance? Other than studying, Pensy continued, getting along with people is like... The one thing I'm good at. If anything, I'm too nice for my own good. But if you teach me how to fight, I'll teach you how to people. How to people? Lynn snorted. I don't know. I appreciate the offer, Pensy, but please. Her roommate's emanations changed, suddenly serious and almost painfully earnest. Her eyes a delicate shade of lavender, seemed clear of the redness that clouded them earlier. I'm so out of my depth. I wanted this for my entire life, but now that I'm here, I feel useless, and I've been racking my brain trying to think of a way to thank you since this afternoon. If you need my help half as much as I need yours, well, I'd feel a lot better about myself. How can you possibly teach something like that? Well, okay. You remember breakfast this morning? Lynn nodded, her mind automatically going back to the moment she excused herself. The sudden shift in mood. When everybody was asking you questions, you just sort of shut us down. I answered everything you asked me, Lynn protested. And before you left, you kind of implied that we weren't worth talking to. Lynn paused. Is that what they thought? I didn't mean it as a reflection on them. I just had no idea what they wanted from me. Ugh, what a mess. I didn't mean it like that. I just... I didn't see the reason behind the conversation. People talk like kids splashing around in a pool. If I'm swimming, I want to know where I'm going. Splashing is how most of us get to know each other. Penzi said, smiling. I figured you didn't mean to snub us, but I think that's what the other girls thought. They said something after I left, didn't they? Lynn asked, eyes narrowed. Penzi gave her an uneasy smile and shrugged. I think they were intimidated. Cyphera figured she pissed you off calling you quiet girl. She did, Lynn said, annoyed at the memory. Okay, but like you didn't mean to insult us? She didn't mean to insult you. How? Who likes being called quiet? Being quiet isn't even a bad thing, but people always say it as a criticism, Lynn said. Well, when we were asking you questions, 
It's like you were trying to be as brief as possible, like you wanted to check the box without actually saying anything about yourself. Lynn frowned. People only ever care about me because of my father. They picture my life being amazing because he was an arch-commissioner. But whenever I give them detailed answers, people get bored or disappointed because what I have to say doesn't live up to their expectations. Okay, Penzi said, excited. See that? That's good. Tell us stuff like that. That not only tells me something about you, but it's something that helps make the conversation more productive. Productive how? Lynn demanded. Penzi pursed her lips and thought for a moment. Think of it like building bridges. The more connections you create, the more help you can give and receive. It makes people closer. It also makes talking easier in the future. So when you do have something specific to talk about, it's easier to get things done. If things start to make you uncomfortable, just let us know. It's okay to say some stuff is off limits. Lynn furrowed her brow further. That seemed like cheating somehow. Or rather, how was she supposed to even know that? Your making me uncomfortable seems just as rude as admitting you don't see the point of a conversation. You are essentially telling people they are being rude, but you're doing it in a way that makes you look weak. It's utter stupidity. I just don't get it, Lynn said. My dad tells me I should always be honest. My mom says I should always be polite. But it's like, I always do one when I should do the other. Or, if I try to do them at the same time, I get them both wrong. We'll have nightly lessons then. I'll help you pick apart the day's conversations before we go to sleep. You like having clear goals, right? This is something you can work on safely with me. And... If we're having a conversation and you get confused or uncomfortable, give me a sign. Nudge me with your weird or something, and I will step in to translate. Isn't that strange? Lynn asked derisively. Maybe a little, Penzi said dismissively. Who cares? Lynn fell onto her back and waited a long time before answering. What if I turn you into an outcast? Then we'll find other outcasts to join us. Because that's the big trick. You don't need to be liked by everybody. You just need to find the people who are right for you. And if I'm not right for anybody? Lynn asked. But even to her, the question sounded like an excuse, a reason to stay weak. Too late. We're friends, Penzi said decisively and laid down. Then she thrust an arm into the air declaring, I am unilaterally declaring a mutual bond of sisterhood, camaraderie, and fellowship effective immediately. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like that, Lynn said, laughing. You don't know how it works, Pensy corrected her. You just said so yourself. Lynn was at a loss for words. She's got you there, Valmont. Maybe she'll make a good Lexamancer after all. Pensy rolled over in her bed looking at Lynn with an enchanting smile on her face. Trust me, and I'll trust you, Pensy said. That's all there is to it. Something in Lynn's chest cracked. The sudden draft in her heart made her shiver, but warmth followed in its wake. Excitement. 
This was one of the longest conversations she had with somebody her own age in years, and it had not been comfortable or easy, but it was easily the most pleasant. All right, Lynn said. You have my trust. Anno Imagium Written by Hank Whitson Narrated by Dan Lawson